Welcome listeners, as I drive down this dark diverse highway and pause to pick up John Aitken and Bob Fleming from Prog to Who, trek this out and take your seats. We are on a journey of discovery into the imagery and mastery of Lynchian landscapes. The efflux of stories interwoven in a tapestry of films. This is The Lynch Mob. And welcome for another Lynch Mob. It's been a while, but now we've got a classic. It's The Lost Highway from 1997. We've met before, haven't we? I don't think so. At your house, don't you remember? No, I don't. As a matter of fact, I'm there right now. That's crazy, man. Call me. I think if we saw a video of our of a scene that we remember, it would be very, very different from our memory. Reality is huge. It's not anything out of reality. Um, it's just different kinds of reality. And so it just shows you, um, you know, how you remember things is not necessarily the way it actually happened, but it's the way you remember it. And it's maybe even more valid than the actual thing some ways. What do you think uh, of it in comparison to all the, his others what we've watched? It is uh, it was supremely Lynch. There are so many Lynch bits in there that I almost felt like I understood it, or at least understood the language he was using. It's it's a great film. Yeah. It's, a, it's a proper mystery. And, uh, yeah, and it's got loads of good bits in it. <clears throat> Let's see Patricia Arquette's boobs. Yeah. I mean... But you, you, yeah, but you can't go wrong with that one. Yeah. <laughs> what more do you want? What, 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 what do you want, mate? <laughs> well, I it's thought what I what I thought was because we've watched Mulholland Drive, watched Inland Empire, we've we've done it in a different order, which he probably wanted us to watch it. But you could see from this where we was going. Mulholland was the future piece. He even had lots of tropes, what he used in Mulholland Drive, and the same with this. But I absolutely yeah. loved it. Absolutely loved it. Reminded me of like the classic 40s film wire film. You know what I mean? Like the bit of like a gangster and and um, elements of the femme fatale. I love that. And, and then it just amazing went, music. Brilliant music for the time. Nanny yeah. Snails, you've got um, Marilyn Manson, Ramstein as well. Mm. He, he always Bowie. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. He started it, he bookended it, didn't he? He was the opening yeah. song and the finishing. Mm. Yeah, absolutely loved this. It's probably up there with... I can't put them in order yet. <laughs> I can't put them in order, but it's, it's no, up no, there. No, no, don't. It's up there. Yeah. Bob, what do you think? Yeah, loved it. It's um, I think it's very Lynch. Uh, my girlfriend was kind of... Because I watched this twice now. Um, I watched it a little while ago and I've just literally just finished watching it. And as always with my Lynch, first bit watch is a bit like, what? Uh, second watch, uh, yeah, I got loads from it. But my girlfriend was just like, this is a David Lynch film, isn't it? I was like, yeah, because she's like seeing me watching Twin Peaks, watching all the other stuff and all that, uh, Bullholland Drive. And it is very Lynch. But I think something I've noticed now, for me personally, because 
like basically I'm an addict in recovery and part of recovery is looking at myself and so much stuck out for me about the human maybe not the human condition but people's mentality and yeah. I've got that's what I've really picked up on this in this film uh, I don't know if it's because I'm in a different place personally but yeah I, I fucking loved it it's quite um yeah, it's awesome. And it's got a couple of characters in it, which I've missed from the last film we did. Yeah, I love Mr. Eddie. He's fucking brilliant. But yeah, I, I, I fucking love this. I've got so much more from it than I have before, but I think that's a bit of growth in me as a person to a degree. Yeah, I saw when you, because we've watched such an expanse of all his work, haven't we, together, you can see lots of elements in this. So I saw Blue Velvet in this, especially the way the apartment was constructed, that like yeah. land look, yeah. and it looked like more of a hotel room rather than someone's apartment, because it wasn't very personal items in there, apart from a few pictures on the wall, which which apparently well, is David Lynch's wife's pictures. That house, um, he had to search for a house for ages to find a house that, would reflect the idea of somebody ringing a doorbell, yeah. leaving a message, and him running to the window to look out because he did that happened to him as, as a younger man. And he was looking for ages to try and find a house with the right windows that you couldn't quite see out of. And oh, wow. and he stumbled across his house and they thought, fuck it, I'm going to buy it. So he bought it. He bought the house. Oh, he bought the house. <clears throat> he bought the house. He bought that house and uh, fitted it out. It's sound. It's a sound studio now, and it does all sorts of stuff like that. So, ah, yeah, that is, that is total Lynch just to be creative in his own world, isn't it? It's like mm -hmm. I'm going to make something and I'll build it and create it myself. Well, of which you've watched June recently, and you sold on many things he 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 created for the first time, like the CGI effects and stuff like that. Yeah, like help put together. So when, when I was also, you could see elements of Fire Walk with me. You could see Nicolas Cage film as well. All Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart, yeah. You could see it all jumbled up. But what got me was the story seemed to be, from, from, my, from my point of view, the beginning of this trilogy of which he had, the beginning one, you could you could see like it, it, it was, he wanted to create something like this world. You could see like even Mulholland Drive was part of this world of which he was yeah. part of. The Inland Empire was part of this world of which he was constructing. They're the same basic premise and it's all about people fantasizing a reality when they're in an awful situation. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. exactly what this film is. That's all this film is. Mulholland Drive was that almost yeah. entirely in Inland Empire was a little more deep but yeah similar yeah. kind of idea but it was the um, the flashes of blue light and in fact like like in all his films he puts a clue in there there's one scene yeah. in every film he does that tells you exactly what the film is doing and that's the scene where the detectives are there and he says I don't like watching recordings I like yeah, to remember exactly. things the way I like to remember them and that's the, yeah. that's and the whole that's lot exactly what film. he does yeah as yeah. soon as he's in the in the cell and he is on death row, essentially, that blue flashing lights straight out of um, Mulholland Drive again. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he goes yeah, into a fantasy box. world. Yeah, he it. goes into a fantasy world and he's driving down the road, he sees a lad standing by the side of the road, he becomes that lad. Yeah. And that lad is everything he isn't. He's super confident with women, super good with women because we see right at the start. And Fred is a quick shot, shall we say. Can't satisfy his wife. Uh, and Pete, who he transforms himself into, good-looking lads, mechanic, and he go just has away with the woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. It was also, you, you, sorry, but it's brilliantly shot. I mean, it's all brilliantly shot, but that particular bit where it does go from him to the young lad, it's like, the, the, the what I loved about that particular bit where it splits into a different kind of, a different a dream or whatever, 
is the, it comes back at the end, but it's that hut where it's just chaos and fire, <clears throat> and then it just brings it in itself because he's trying That's... to. I think trying to control his anger and his frustration. I got mystery man as being his frustration out of body himself. Mm. Yeah, perhaps. But I got the the beat shot is um, formed out of fire. Now fire, we know David Lynch has particular. Yeah, and that's how that that beat shot is just formed out of the chaos of that guy's imagination as a source for all these things. The mystery man is analogous to the devil. He's also Fred's frustration. His pent up. You know, needs for revenge is all these things. Because with sorry. Fred, sorry, with with Fred as well is it takes you a while because I've watched it. I watched it twice as well. Where it takes you a while to understand, like, is he just you know blanking these horrible events of his life? Now we're all over forty, and we've all had bad events that happen in our life, and you do. Me. Either, except John, who's who's Jesus. living the dream. <laughs> yeah, living the dream. Living the dream. So you do like either cloud it over and you know you have a different story or take yeah. on it. But the guy's also schizophrenic, so he doesn't understand a lot of the tastes when he is doing something so vicious and horrible like cutting up his mission. I don't think he is schizophrenic. I think he just like the analogy like Lynch gives himself, right? In the uh, DVD extras, which are on YouTube, thankfully, is OJ Simpson. Oh, yeah, and O.J. Yeah, Simpson, yeah, 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 like, right. Lynch is really certain that O.J. Simpson killed two people, murdered two people. You know, how does a person live with that? Yeah. And to do that, they create a little internal, yeah. they don't think of that sort of thing. or that it, yeah. They compartmentalise. Yeah, yeah, and that's what Pete, that's what Fred's doing, and that's what Pete yeah, is. There's, his, there's a word of his it, dream. It was like a, like a psychological forge or something. They're able to, like, because that O.J. Simpson thing, yeah, I was, I was yeah. reading on that, where... He can go out playing golf, and that was really upsetting. Um, Psychogenic fugue. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it, it, you can tell that how much of a good person David Lynch is. It really upset him the fact that justice wasn't done. OJ Simpson, he's going out playing golf and he's doing all this type of shit, and that played on his mind as he was building this story. But he didn't really realize that until after the events of he built this film so afterwards he looked mm. back and he realized where his head was at but not only that as well i don't know if you read it that he was frustrated with oliver stone as well because oliver stone did natural born killers which is a reflection of um you know tarantino you've got fucking hell, i can't remember the film wild at hearts i keep saying wild at hearts all right in head. all right all right it must okay. be something called kind of heart anyway so i said wild at heart and his uh, firework with me, he had like a trope of Hollywood twats, either ripping him off after them saying bad things about him. You also got Twin Peaks, which he hated what happened to it and he came in at the end. But the same company who picked up Twin Peaks also picked up an Oliver Stone TV programme afterwards, which was very similar in style with his surreal weird style and then Oliver Stone did um, the film Natural Born Killers and a lot of the reflections are in Natural Born Killers have been kind at heart but also you could say in Badlands as well Wild at heart even. Wild at heart not kind at heart kind at heart must be something to fucking read somewhere <laughs> you've already, you've already, it's already imprinted in your mind okay. yeah so I reckon with that as well is his frustration in his head of how people are taking his work so he reflected that within the film. And that, that scene where uh, Mr. Eddie, somebody's tailgating him on Mark, and, and he gets out and beats the shit out of him. 
That happened to um, David Lynch. Somebody was tailgating him on Mulholland Drive, ironically enough. Uh, and he had the man from another place there, the little fella, in his oh, car. Yeah. And he was saying, if I wasn't too busy, I'd... And he's just like, the only reason he's not doing anything about it is because he's too busy. <laughs> but he <laughs> really is, wanted that, to. Really wanted is, to do what Mr. Eddie did. That is by far my favourite scene in the whole film. Don't get me wrong, there's many amazing scenes, but I, that's what I love about Lynch, is this absolutely absurd character. And he kind of doesn't play that much of an absurd character, Mr. Eddie. Really, he plays no. sort of like a, a generic mafia guy. But that bit, especially where the car goes from like 20 miles an hour to 140 miles an hour in the obviously speeding up film <laughs> yeah, yeah it's fucking brilliant and he's just there and he's just like because everyone's been there with road rage and it's yeah. lovely that it comes from a, a place of from lynch you know what i mean and i love mm. it the fact that it's not ever blinded kind of it's telling them about the fucking american highway code or whatever you need to fucking read <laughs> you get a fucking copy of that and i was just like this is this is what i love about lynch is the i, I know he does all sorts of amazing things but this is his characters is just just incredible. He, he plays out those dreamlike frustrations we all have. Like we hit a situation and we walk away and go, you know what? I fucking could have knocked that fucker out, or this, <laughs> or that, or this. Or and he plays it out. And because it's part of Pete's dream, then he's showing also what he he may have been in that situation himself before, and and that's why he's well, showing. Right, what you know. Right, what you know is yeah. the, is what people tell you when he yeah. does that and he writes right Dick, Dick Laurent is dead that uh, is it Dick Laurent is dead that's what the guy said to on Lynch's house he went Dick Laurent is dead yeah. and obviously realised it was the wrong house and fucked off well ah. that stuck with him enough that he wrote he stuck it in it's an entire premise for a bloody film no it's cool and I tell you right, the, 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 the car scene as well with the, the, when he's when he's been tailgating he sort of just gets savage if he gets gets given the bird the two guys in the back putting the belts on as well just like they knew what like, to expect yeah, yeah and it's, it's funny as well you know like lynch is can be extremely funny because i don't think i've not felt that in lynch for a while because the, the other ones we've done have not been so much of that comedy element and i was loving that was kind of back in there even though it was pretty much that one scene it was just fucking great yeah i like the Can way we... that he had the portrayal of the typical policeman back in like he did in Twin Peaks, like they're just a bit docile the on them. Yeah, the yeah. detectives. It's a bit like, uh, so do you sleep here? In the bedroom, they're in the fucking bedroom, they're both looking at each other. Yeah. Again, a, again a, a reflection of like the lazy justice, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. That's it portraying police as just being shit, really. <laughs> Can well, we, also, uh, yeah, sorry. So I, I was going to say, one thing I did find, which was unusual for this one than all the other ones, was the his use of no sound lots of silent pieces no atmospheric in the sound it's just complete silent especially the first half um, the, no. the first half that's reality yeah yeah a little bit yeah, yeah. and then the music it's seems to happen into the second half and the atmospheric music is accompanying it as well you see, I mean, you see that's just thing, that's man. one of the that's one of the situations where uh, silence can be used because it, it contrasts perfectly with the atmospherics yeah and because the atmospherics are there the silence is just as impactful as the the rusty noises or the train sounds or whatever he uses there is but there's that there's that sex scene at the beginning um where he's not performing very well that is one of the most fucking intense horrible sex thanks it mainly in parts of the music well it is the music that makes it just kind of like horrible like horrible sex isn't it do you know what i mean and obviously like you were saying before you know that's kind are we of... about are we talking about horrible sex or horrible sacks 
Because there was two of them. There was both. Oh, no, there was incredible jazz sax. He was like the best <laughs> jazz saxophonist that's ever graced the earth, wasn't he, yeah. in his head? And that was kind of... Uh, I quite like that as well. It was kind of... It reminded me a little bit of fucking that Will Farrell film, Anchorman. You know, when he plays jazz sax a little bit. <laughs> Don't know jazz why. flute, yeah. Jazz flute, that's it, yeah. And he actually taught himself that. Bill Pullman taught himself how to use the sax for the role, so it wasn't just bullshitting. Like, he just look at it. It looked like he was yeah. actually yeah. blowing it properly. Which is yeah. good, because I don't like it when they bullshit. At least no. getting paid to I, do And I know, and I know full well when they're bullshitting on music. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> Many points. I've it makes, complained it does, about that. It makes me a bit angry, you know, that when people aren't playing instruments properly. And I mean, so obviously but, just actors, aren't they? So. Yeah, I know. But hey... Well, within, within the first 15 minutes of the film, I've written down here what I what I was listing. He's got insecurity, he got uh, infidelity, he got jealousy, he got rage, he got suppression, he got de- depression, you got pity, pity, then anger. And that's all within the first 15 minutes is what going through this yeah. guy's mind. Because mm. he's looking at his missus and he doesn't trust her and he's looking at her thinking, what have got the lipstick on like that for? What are you looking like that way for? What are you saying? You're going to read a fucking book. You know what I mean? He's walking off and then he's ringing her and then he's, he's getting himself all worked up with the yeah. rage inside. I love can that. We, can, we, can we quickly mention uh, Bill Pullman's performance? He's fucking mint in this. Yeah. He was great all the yeah. way through. And Patricia Arquette, again, Wow, she was just amazing in it as well. But yeah, I, I can I can see that Pete's uh, not Pete. Fred's life is yeah. is particularly bad. He's cold to his wife, and you see that scene where she finds a uh, videotape on the step. Yeah, and she like comes in and opens it. And she's like, oh shit! She thinks there's a porno on there. Yeah, she thinks that's what that is, <laughs> and that's why. And like that's why when he's as Pete. And Mr. Eddie says, uh, do you want to watch porno? Yeah. Did he give you a bonus? Goes, no, that was so no funny thanks. again. Yeah. Do you no like porno? But that, yeah. Well, that's entirely just legitimate in terms of the story as well, not just a, uh, yeah. It's a shame because most of the stuff you see Bill Pullman in, what I've seen, is like comedies. And he's been really given like a you know, a chance here by David Lynch to go at it. And not only him, but there's a wealth of cast in there. You've got Richard Pryor, who turns uh, up. Yeah. You've got Henry Rollins. That surprised me. Henry yeah, Rollins. Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins. You've got Marilyn Manson. He, it was his first film role. Yeah. And he played the porn, porn star in it. Guess, guess who's oh, in it? Oh, that was Marilyn Manson. Yeah, the, yeah. Jack, Jack Nance. What a surprise. Yeah, which Nance, which yeah. was a shame because it's his last film because he passed Is away it? shortly afterwards. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, he had a fight outside of a chippy or somewhere or a club and then the next day it caused a brain image yeah well it's not so for me yeah hopefully the nice chips what I, what I loved about the, the concept of Lost Highway though is that, that it's that sort of metaphor for just fucking in complete insanity and then trying to keep on the highway you know so well, even when he got back on the highway in the dream or whatever trying to make things right he couldn't even do it then he couldn't you know it still went horrible in his dream that he had control over as well yeah he's, the dream starts the fantasy starts to break down as soon as yeah. like he realises that the blonde Patricia Arquette Annie, uh, Alice Alice, Alice yeah. down the rabbit hole yeah, yeah. is um, she's more experienced sexually than Pete expected and it starts to break down there and it starts to seep the stuff from like Fred's life starts to seep into this Pete yeah which is fantasy in, that he's like running. more or less a copy of what he did in uh, Mulholland Drive. 
where her life starts yeah. revealing what's true exactly and what's not. Yeah. And it starts, it starts mixing into one. And he's getting confused to see which one is which. Yeah. Well, I have to also say Robert Blake's performance as the mystery man is haunting. This it's shows haunted, you know, yeah. it's his terrifying face. In all the notes I've written, he's a vampire. He looks like a vampire. <laughs> well, yeah. he but, I mean, it's, it's, it's good that he exists. As um, a mystery man, like Lynch said, uh, certain things needed to be in the film in order to progress the plot. Yeah, And that's yeah. what he does. That's what a mystery man does. And so he's like a metaphor. He's like the devil. He's like... Because uh, he's like that whole thing with um, in your house. Uh, because it was it's him that he's talking yeah. to himself, basically. Yeah. Uh, I'm in your house already because you've invited me in. And that thing about you have to invite me in, you have to invite the devil in or he can't come into your house, that kind of, of thing. I, I saw that guy. and Because you were saying before as well about... Um, you know, trying to you, you paint a sort of pink cloud, don't you, of things that you, you've not particularly enjoyed in your life, or try and cover over your defects and things like that. And obviously, he's got a camera, so he's actually recording, like you were saying before. He doesn't like reality, the reality or the recording of what he's done. And this is the this is the reality. He's the reality, if you see yeah. what I mean. That, yeah, yeah. He's trying to force it upon yeah. him, force it upon Frank which is himself, obviously, the mystery man, to say, look at what you've done and stop mm. running away from it. And he gets in the car and runs away at the end and he's always trying to get away from what he's done. Yeah. And what I loved about the end is, um, it's when he, you know, when he gets put in the electric chair, or we think he does, you know, and he has that whole full electrocution in the car and then all the mad music, Ramstein or whatever, and then peace. And I kind of quite like, that's quite a, it's yeah. quite a nice. It's quite a nice ending because he's dead. All the madness stops because he's dead, and he's, he's at last got peace. There is parts in it where you just don't have to see things gruesome, even though it does. It is a lot of gruesome into it, but it's not over the top like splatter all over the place. Mm. It's more what could happen, and he's he's done it very clever with the camera. Like he's just like shots of it, you know, of of um, a body's cut up, but it's just shots. It's not glorifying the fact by he's focusing all over the place because this is what's going through his head. It's like little shots of yeah. what, and he's trying desperately to compress it and trying desperately to to push it down into the back of his mind. I wrote nine points that are the plot of this film. I think so. Uh, I'm just going to go through them one by one. Yeah, Fred is jealous and angry. And the mystery man represents that because of his bad sex life, his inability to, but he's got no apparent source of income. He doesn't have a job. He's got, his house is spartan. His attitude to his wife is, is cold. And so Fred did, does kill Renee. Uh, and just like Mulholland drives, the blue light in his cell is the like fantasy beginning. And then from that point, it's the fantasy all yeah. the way to the end included. Yeah, yeah. He imagines himself as Pete, who has lots of tail, <laughs> and and he reimagines his wife as a sort of beautiful temptress blonde. In a, and I think that's is it Vertigo, where um, a Hitchcock film where the, the protagonist woman changes from one hair color to the to another. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and Fred turns, uh, Fred returns right at the, at the point where the fantasy is finally broken. Where she says, you'll never have me. Uh, and she, he goes into that little hut uh, and it's the mystery man and it's not Renee. There's no Alice. Yeah. It was always the mystery. It was always this his own jealousy that created all this whole thing. Uh, and the key to it is, I'd like to remember things my own way. It's just what a fantasy is. 
Yeah. Uh, and then, as Bob says, the chase scene at the end yeah. uh, is is him being electrocuted whilst he's in the midst of his fantasy. It's that's as simple as it is. I mean, the rest yeah. of it is flavour. A lot of it is just flavour. But oh yeah, yeah. very very flavoursome though, isn't it? It's uh, it's fucking brilliant. But out of all the films we've watched of David Lynch, it's a lot of people might have come to this. Now, I've, I've read some reviews and people don't understand what's going on. But because we've had such a wealth of his stuff, I found it not his simplest work, but you could understand it like a linear yeah. piece from beginning to end. It better, was, because, probably it, because we've understood other stuff what he's built. Well, Holland Drive training, really, it, stuff like that, innit? It wasn't really, it wasn't really linear. It did go back and forth a little bit because, yeah, but but that was but, that yeah, was telling you yeah. what was happening, so you could understand what was happening in the sense of mm. you could see where it was reflected. But it wasn't like you 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 sat there like Mulholland Drive or Inland Empire, where I still don't understand fully Inland Empire. I'll have to watch that video that you sent me, John. Uh, but there's yeah. other bits to it which you're still finding out. But that's what David likes, though, isn't it? He sort mm. of wants your own interpretations of it, which makes it at, more fun to watch. And yet at the same time, he's right up front and tells you exactly what's happening. Right at the beginning. In, uh, right at the beginning, yeah. yeah. Well, right at the beginning of the end, it's bookended by David Bowie, Deranged, it's yeah. called. So he's deranged, is this guy. Yeah. So he's, he's telling you and then telling you again. And, yeah. and then, yeah, it, like, um, like Bob was saying, it starts on the highway, finishes on the highway as well. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really... You know, that concept's I great. Wrote a I wrote a shit ton. I virtually did every scene and wrote masses and masses and masses of it. And it's all unnecessary because essentially I've already written down what the plot is and just it's just flavour the rest of it. I mean, there's like a, the uh, lady in red. There's like... It's the, uh, uh, the red curtains. curtains red, red curtains, curtains yeah. Which is oh, like yeah, yeah. the stage, isn't it? Like yeah. it usually has. A lot of uh, lamps around, notice, everywhere. Like Clary yeah. Port, a lot of fire motifs all the way through, especially the roaring fire. You hear the roaring fire as his anger's building at the point and of when it, he goes to kill her. And it starts with a cigarette being smoked by Bill Pullman, which is exactly what Wild at Heart is. Yeah. Uh, bits of Laura Dern is doing that. Of course. Signifies the, the fire in him. Uh, and and also, jiggly boobs, lots of jiggly boobs as well. Oh, he loves his boobs, doesn't he? There's there's like, this and not wrong with that. Um, I also love the fact that Pete, the actor called, that, that we played Pete, was called Balthazar Getty. What a fucking yeah. name! Uh, yeah. Absolutely tremendous. And I love the intro again. Just that, just the filming of going down the highway, the eighties music, and the big fat font text. It looked like some sort of eighties, nineties sort of it, cop show kind of it, thing. It looked like a film noir. It yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it, could be, it could be like uh, the Big Sleep, one of the classics, or Maltese Falcon. You know, the, you can imagine like people's faces coming up at the name and telling the name as well. Who finished it? But it, also, I wanted to bring up as well Robert Blake, the guy who played the Mystery Man. He more or less in his life was art imitating life because he got accused for killing his wife, murdering his wife. Apparently, uh, he, he walked out and shot his wife. The do- um, and then there's something mysterious happened with the gun and it got thrown out of court. But there's still speculation that he killed it. And it was his last film he made, really, on that. This, so he, so he, he was accused, but guilty. Accused, but I think it's a, one of those David Lynch ones, like, how the fuck does he get away with that? Because he, apparently I... he said he left his pistol in a restaurant and he wasn't at the scene at the time. Oh, yeah, what I the left... fuck? Like yeah, I, I left... do. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, le- I left me Glock in Mackie D's. Fuck you, <laughs> hell. Uh, I've got I've got some questions, lads, uh, for you. Um, yep. So there's the pencil tash guy, which uh, which appears as having a, having an affair with uh, his missus. Is that wrong or right? The little pencil tash man, because he's in the picture. There's a photograph. At, at the beginning, a... I think he is having some kind of connection, or he's thinking they're having an affair. It might be really yeah. close. And it does look to me that they was having some kind of oh, affair. But he, we are going through his head, Fred, aren't we? His, he, Fred's yeah. head, aren't we? Yeah. That makes See, sense. He might have invented that as being uh, uh, an affair just to justify. Yeah. Yeah. So, so at the, at the end, at the end, he comes back in. When he goes to get her, he's got to kill Andy or whatever. And he comes in. Uh, it's him again. And I love that bit where he gets dead smashed into that fucking table. It's Ooh, amazing. Yeah. But, yeah. but there's a photograph as well of four of them. You've got Mister Reddy and two versions of you've got Alice and um, the, the was a brunette. Renee. Sorry, Renee. Uh, and then you've got Andy as well. And at the end, when it sort of finishes, you see the photo again, and, and the well, the and Alice has gone from the photo. That's one. That's the one part that confuses me a little bit. No, I yeah. say one part. A lot of it does confuse <laughs> me, but that's one part that I'm thinking. Well, hang on, then. So, what Pete did was an actual thing. So, did Fred do that murder of Andy? And when did he do it? Because we know it's a flashback oh, that Fred yeah. murdered Mister Reddy. Yeah. Because because Pete doesn't exist. And yet we see that scene of the detectives looking at that picture. So yeah. that scene does exist in reality. Oh, I like it? that, John. Yeah. Oh, I like but that. But it's just assumed it's assumed that Pete did it. But that's the one scene that th- makes me think I'm not quite getting it properly. Yeah. There's something I'm missing. There's something I'm missing. Yeah, that, that confused me of that. I was looking at it and thinking, what is reality? What isn't reality? But they're the cops from reality. <laughs> so that was that was the point where similar to Mulholland Drive, where you're trying to figure out who the hell is that guy who's just hiring to kill that person. And then it's you know something's got to click sooner or later. So I think I think Pete has uh, I think Fred has killed his missus, gone out killed Mister Eddie. No, he's gone out and killed Mister Eddie because he caught Mister Eddie with Renee in room twenty six or whatever. Ah, yeah. And then he's then he's gone out and and he's killed his wife. Then he's gone out and killed Andy as well. And then he's gone on the run and 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 you know and that's the end. But and I'm really not. Hundred percent sure. Because they must have happened before he killed his wife, not before the fantasy. Well, the fantasy yeah. includes that scene of Pete killing Andy. Yet, already Fred is in jail. What? And I, yeah, there's a, the, the, what I like about the end scene, though, particularly. Well, I don't know if this is just my take on it. Is the fact obviously you've got um, Alice or whatever on this, or Renee on this massive screen getting banged. Um, whatever that's not probably the wrong word, but there uh, by the devil, yeah. And so, and so that. But what you see is what the way I look at it is. Uh, Pete's trying to justify her being, you know, you know, he's he's put her out there as being this, you know, lady that just doesn't want him and all this kind of stuff. Can't be satisfied, and he, mm. you know, he's got this horrible sort of thinking about her, but he's still trying to put her across as a damsel in distress because she's done it at gunpoint. She does all yeah, this at gunpoint. Yeah, yeah. But still... Yeah, it's, but, she, the, the, but very close after the gunpoint, yeah. she's very confident. And yeah. she like And, you know, it transpires. She likes it. And there it is, plain to see on this big screen, her getting, you know, banged by the devil and all that kind of stuff. And then it goes on mm. and she's threatening with a gun. And it's kind of like a bit of torment of, like, you know... It's, I think that's just reality trying yeah. to, coming through that... 
he tries to yeah. see her as this person like femme fatale like someone who needs help yeah, yeah. the more this dream starts his subconscious is moving it's very much like Mulholland Drive then he starts seeping through and he's getting like she's a fucking whore she's doing this to she, me she's manipulating she, she, and yeah. all she's that could be more fake. confident yeah yeah but yeah. Uh, one thing I want to point out as well, at the very moment that the light go blue and he starts to fantasize being Pete, uh, there's a moment of Pete lying on the on a on a sort of sun lounger out the back. White picket fence behind him. Yes. Grass, yes. Yeah, yeah. And blue velvet laying on the sun lounger. You might you know, just Pete's the nice nice element of it. I like that. I, yeah, I yeah, I mean, that. it's just absolutely. Yeah, it was um, uh, it's fucking brilliant to be honest. Like you said, the soundtrack has got all the modern music at that time in the nineties. You just filled it with some of the best, like Nine Inch Nails, which is worked before as well. Funky Hammer music, fucking is my jam, and I love yeah. that stuff. The music at that party, Andy's party, was mint. I love yeah. it. I was just going to talk about, as always, the soundscape. Like you were saying, Cliff, there was some silence at the fit in the first half, but you went back, there was still a lot of this tension music, and he does it so well. Even though you don't even know it's going on, suddenly it's there, creating a slight bit of anxiety in your belly about something happening. Mm. And it's so subtle, it's unreal. I fucking love it. And also you had Rammstein, intense fucking come on. And then you had like some cool 60s music, you know, like for a fucking jammy bit and that. I just the, I've never known anyone any filmmaker use music and sound so well as Lynch does to create feeling within the it does work it. as well doesn't oh, it yeah, fucking really hell works, totally. works, works. that's one thing I've definitely picked up on and noticed and that's why I love wearing my headphones when I'm watching Lynch because that's when mm. you get your you, you, oh my god it's so involving it doesn't really it, nothing can be going on on the screen to a degree as in it can just be one shot for fucking five minutes but what's going on in that sound is creating this Oh, this narrative for you making it just you feel like the way you're meant to feel in that scene, and it's just brilliant. Yeah, yeah, adds to, it adds to the tension. Can That's I just ask one. ask you guys a question as well? When Pete was sat down in his in his bedroom and things are started going through his head, where he needs to get up and get out because his reality is blending into his his normality, and he sees a, a spider on the side. Is that a black widow spider? Yeah. Because I thought, is that yep. reflecting her? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's not yeah, even yeah. subtle. Not even subtle. Yeah, he sees an image. He sees an image of Alice. That's right. And then he sees a black widow. Spider. I it was a black widow. It's spider. written. Yeah, it's written as plain as day. Lynch does not. He's not obfuscating for a reason. He's very clear in what he does. It's just it's difficult to understand his accent. I'm going to say it's like is it like you said before? He he shows you right up front. It's like he he makes it to be like there's no mystery about it because all the answers are there. But sometimes you know I think we overcomplicate it when we're looking at it going, no, it can't be that. <laughs> I think there's a bit of both. I think there's a bit of both. Um, one thing I'd like to point out, the fantasy image of uh, Fred is Pete. And Pete yeah. dresses very much like a 50s rocker. Yeah. Even so even, the, even the garage. That's, the Lynch, well. that's Lynch's... That's Lynch's... Yeah, that's... That's Lynch's vibe is that is also, the 50s. Also, awesome. his parents look like cool you know when they come and pick him up from the prison yeah. his parents look yeah. cool. and, that's, and that's another thing i love about the bit where it's kind of like a bit throwing that in the middle because it, he's pete then suddenly in prison in re replacing andy it's just fucking great because it throwed me at first time it threw me a bit i was like eh so what why is he checking you know like obviously then you, you know you get your head down it's the dream part of it but again that's just brilliant that how he's done that how he does that change in the middle is just fucking stunning yeah and uh pete's parents are fucking great 
they're understanding yeah. and nice yeah, and yeah. everything. And Gary, yeah. Gary Boosie. He was amazing. They all were. Everybody acted their fucking asses off on this film. Yeah, no, it great. was uh, it was great, man. We had the the music again by uh, Bagladente. He put his his bit in. And he, <laughs> by who? Badalamenti. Oh yeah, right. you got it right. Got it right. Okay. Which. What is that his fourth film in the role then? He'd been with him. He's not missed many, has he? So he's done he's the not missed many at all. Blue Velvet, he did the uh, Twin Peaks and, 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 Drive, and a lot and a lot of a lot of bad lament sort of incidental music in that film is is really fucking subtle. And yeah. it's really good. Like it, it adds to the soundscape, it adds to the tension. The music sort of like lifts you. I mean, even I mean, talking of the soundscape bit, there's some, some mm. parts where that you can barely hear unless you're wearing headphones and close on. Some of the low rumbling, yeah, when things I mean, are happening, yeah, yeah, just barely hear it. And he loves playing with quietness as well. And that's what has the tension to it, like to me, per, like when you've got the headphones on, like fucking. That, that's how I watch Lynch, Lynch film is with your headphones on, definitely, because you pick up so much. Well, I had, uh, there's that bit in the garage as well when the same jazz song comes on what Bill was playing sorry uh, Fred was playing and you can see yeah. he's having trouble with his movement from reality and he, he has he, to switch he it didn't off want it, he didn't, yeah he didn't want it on because it was starting to remind him of the thing mess, mess with his fantasy yeah yeah it's mysterious as hell this film but it's really good it flows perfectly the pacing's amazing on it it yeah. just it just flies past two, two hours just flies past it's amazing. Well, the, yeah, the, when it splits in half of the film, it's more or less directly around 55 minutes. I counted through because when mm. it split, I actually was looking and thinking, wow, wow, he's actually split the film perfectly in half from one to the other. And then he does mm. a very similar thing to Mulholland Drive as well. That splits more or less. What was it in the last 40 minutes of the film gets split? And then he you see like it from to, another he, side. He doesn't like to leave. Uh, he doesn't like to put in a little bit. If you're going to have a mental break or a fantasy area, he's going to fully explore it. Yeah. And he's going to have an entire life lived out in that fantasy, and that's what happens a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And he does. Lynch does love a zoom into a ringing phone in a lot yeah. of his films. There's lots I of. Do. How he many? How many phones did that guy have in his apartment? Because when he's ringing that's his missus, phones. it goes off. It goes there. Goes off. Goes to the bathroom. Goes off somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to track her uh, down, but it's still left to me as a mystery: was she two-timing him, or was it completely all in his head? Because it's no, there's nothing concrete all the way through. Well, you, you do get the impression that there's one scene where Pete is having a bit of a, a nightmare because he's just killed Andy, and he finds himself in this corridor, walks into this room, and then yeah, number twenty-six. His wife is his, his wife is there mocking him while she's fucking yeah. somebody else, and that. You also see that scene later in that very same room at Lost Highway Hotel. Yeah. Where yeah. there's a, in that room 26, is it? And he opens yeah. it up and it's Eddie. It's Mr. Eddie's fucking Renee. And that is the, and that's when he takes uh, Mr. Eddie out and uh, basically takes to the desert and shoots him in the head. Yeah. And oh. that's what he's let the devil in at that point. Because the devil's looking through, looking through the windows, isn't he? Mystery man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Uh, this this helps me putting bits together in my head. <laughs> Sometimes a podcast on David Lynch is trying to figure it out as well. And I'm still trying is, to yeah. figure it out. 
having a well, chat about it because everyone's got different take on it, really. I think that's what he loves. He loves the fact that people got different opinions about it. Also, this is either me being just numbers, but was there any indication of where Pete and his family was residing? Because it didn't look like it was back in uh, the California where they was, but looked like somewhere else. And was that like Indiana or somewhere like that? And the reason I ask this is that number on his prison shirt is a like a postcode, but for Indiana. So if you look up that is number, it? it goes all the way to Indiana. I was thinking maybe oh, some. Shit. He has he has weird shit like that, don't he? There's like the number. Yeah, on yeah, the yeah. Telegraph never, code. never underestimate the slightest little thing in a Lynch film. Like all the cars in the in the film, the numbers add up to seven. In this film, <laughs> all the numbers on the cars hell. add up to seven. Amazing. Welcome to new numerology pod. I do like numbers. <laughs> yeah. I, I might not be able to be good at words, but I'm good at numbers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's pop- out, where does this rank? Where does this rank in your Lynch's movies then? Well, currently, I, Cliff. Well, for me, I've, I've seen them all now, which is good. We still got uh, Razor Head to go as a team. Yeah, I've seen Razor a few times. I'm with yourself, John. Um, yeah. I would place this within the top five of mine. I absolutely love a Razorhead and I love Blue Velvet because I grew up on Blue Blue Velvet was one of the first films I'd seen of his. I loved it, fell in love with it because of the connection with Twin Peaks at the time. And then watching Mulholland Drive as well, that just blew me away. So and but then recently I I've, that Inland Empire has got like a splinter under my skin and I still want to go back and I still want to explore it and I'm still delving into it. So to me, that's a really good film if I'm still exploring it. But this one, I can understand where it begins, middles and ends. and I can sort of understand it in my head. I'm not saying that's a failure from his part, but what I'm saying is it's not as, as highly thoughtful as the other stuff. Aside from Street Story, it's like probably one of the easiest to interpret, yeah. really. Yeah. But and like like Mulholland Drive is quite easy to interpret once you've got a few other clues and you know what you're looking for. Only only as a David Lynch one. If it was someone else who did this film, you'd be might be people might be scratching oh, yeah. their head. But it's only because of our knowledge of what we've done. We know blue. We know fire. We know curtains. We know how the music comes up and down. And we understand how he plays with people. So it's only because we've got that knowledge. Maybe we wouldn't have yeah. been th- thinking this way if this was one of the first ones. I don't know. I mean, to be fair, what about you, Bob? Where does this rank in your um, Lynch films list? I don't know. I find it quite difficult to rank. Um, but, but definitely watching this now, it's um, you know armed with Mulholland Drive and Twin Peaks and everything like that that we've seen. It, it is just, you know, Lynch does have his own style. Because watching him in a bit of a, a you know, in a random order, you know, you've we've seen obviously June, Elephant Man, Straight Story, mm. very different films, obviously not his full creative control, but all brilliant. I've loved them three, and it's been yeah. quite interesting to watch his take on being a normal director, if you like, a jobbing director. But to see, I'd, I'd be interested to go and watch back like Wild at Heart, Blue Velvet, Mulholland Drive, uh, this one, uh, you know, this one, Lost Highway, so Inland talk, Empire I, as well, Bob. I will. I probably will go back there one day uh, when I'm old and slightly <laughs> blind. Give it ten years. When I'm, <laughs> ten when I'm years, older maybe. and slightly blinder, and I don't realise it's got shit cameras. But uh, <laughs> wow. I, get, I might get over it one day. It takes me a while sometimes. But no, it's, it's hard. It's hard to put me in an order. 
Um, it, it is. Really is. It I is. mean, I know, I know. In the Inland Empire Company is at the bottom of the list. The rest of it, I don't know. I've enjoyed them all equally. I've got so much, so much from each of them. So I don't mm. know. It's difficult. I would probably say for me, ranking would be Mulholland Drive first, Firewalk with me, and then it'd be Wild at Heart. No, no, Blue Velvet, and then Wild at Heart, and then yeah. this one fifth currently. But that I think it's because it hasn't had as much of an impact on me this one because. The other it's ones I've watched yeah. first. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's I think that's the way for this one, isn't it? I think if we would have saw it before it because of the knowledge of what we got. But one thing I wanted to bring up as well is he's only done ten films from nineteen seventy seven to two thousand and six was his last film. Ten films. So he doesn't cherry pick what comes to him. He just does films what he wants to do. Now, all right. June, because you know, I mean, he even he said he didn't really like that. Elephant Man was given to him, but to him, that was a big opportunity to show people what he could do. You know, you've got uh, Wild at Heart, which was uh, was it um, Gifford, Harry Gifford, who written that? Harry Gifford, mm, yeah, yeah. And then he did his was take it on the it. same, the same person who helped him write Lost Highway as well. It was, yeah, 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 cool. yeah, 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 yeah. So he, he but he, the film is what he does. He's not one of these who just do. A ton of films out there just for the money. He's not a money man. He's a wants to make you think. And if he if he's not got something to say, he won't say it. And I think what he's done now is found another outlet with Netflix. I really think that's his thing. He's got a medium and he's been given an opportunity. So he's gonna do that. So looking forward, if he if something comes of this, which is not necessarily guaranteed yet. You never know if Lynch could be completely the Wisteria Project. I'm just going to be fucking all over that when it comes out. I'm going to be fantas- fantasizing about not fantasizing. That'd be the wrong word. <laughs> I'm going to be pouring over that like in detail and doing all the speculation as to what it all means for the long for the run of whatever he produces. I'll be fucking obsessed with it. I can guarantee it. No. So there's already people obsessed on YouTube finding a snippet of information and blowing it all out as much as they can to make that's, videos. I've been watching. I've been watching, I've been watching them. Really? Some of it's the tiniest of bit of information. Like his milkman delivered two bottles instead of one. What could he mean? As all this other shit. Because like, <laughs> when you have to, when you've got like, when you have to register to film, uh, yeah. there's lists in places that people write. And they've got code names, and and they say, well, this is he's got it in there. It's listed. He's going to going to start filming now. It's just yeah. I mean, he I did say film. though he, before the COVID that he did. If it wasn't for COVID, he would have been filming something. But yeah. David could be filming, and he could be filming another uh, monkey video. But you we're, back, we're back filming now. Yeah. Back, oh, by the way, Inland Empire. Um, just a one comment on that. I was uh, I've read a, a bit more about it and. There are far more Sunset Boulevard references in there than I realised. Oh, right. There's an entire... Uh, I watched Sunset Boulevard just uh, a few weeks ago. I love that film. Because my mum was it's around. Classic. And I wanted to find a film we could both watch. Have you never seen it and before? So, nope, never saw it Oh, before. it's great. She's haunting into your face. She's right. in, <laughs> Dem- in the Empire, where there's that... Uh, I'm just This is not Lost Highway. I just wanted to get this out because it's in my head right now. Yeah. Uh, there's that scene where she's dying on the side of the road next to the homeless people and that girl's telling a story mm-hmm. about this woman who ends up staying at home with her monkey Sunset Boulevard Yeah, it's about yeah. Gloria Swanson's yeah. character staying at home with a monkey and it's just like there's a scene in it where in, in an empire where the woman who eventually stabs her 
is is talking and saying some weird stuff, and that's literally taken directly from the Gloria Swanson film that she's watching in Sunset Boulevard, word for word, the entire speech for that thing. Oh my God, that's a great find. Also, there is connections with Sunset Boulevard with Mulholland Drive again within it as well. And this, it's just yeah. like it's, that's it's his all three there. though. This is that's his trilogy. What you want? Uh, so the, you've got Wizard of Oz. You've got what else have you got? Um, you've got the Sunset Boulevard. You had this one. You've got Alice in Wonderland. He brings and then up things Hitchcock from film. his youth. Yeah, anything and then from his Hitchcock youth. Film, yeah, yeah. So all the stuff from the forties and fifties of which he's watched. Bob, if you've not seen Sunset Boulevard, it's a, it's a good watch. No, it I don't think I have. Watch. It is surprisingly good. I've got it. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty haunting. In the woman. post on the DVD that you bought. Thanks, John. No, I pirated it, mate. So, <laughs> I mean, what, I mean, what are they fucking going to do? I pirated a film that's 76 years old. I think we're good. It's in public domain now, don't worry. It's not, no, it's not. It's not, actually. It's not. not right. You can't get it anywhere. Uh, it's, not on any, it's not on any of the streaming services I've checked, so I had to download it via Pirate Bay. So, <laughs> Bob, what do you think? One last round, what do you think? As, as, as is second to the last film we're watching in our run, Oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I can say I think at the beginning it's really struck me about the sort of defect of the human condition and how fucking mental your brain can go, and I found that quite relatable. Um, yeah, from so I've had to be, you know take a fucking look at myself and that do some work in recovery and yeah and fucking hell like when you start discovering your defects and you know sometimes you don't know what they are at all they're just hidden inside and you've got to let them out and this is i don't know i don't know if it's lynch letting out his fucking mental thoughts or defects or things that you know pissed him off or whatever but yeah just i've sort of seen it in a different light because and i think that i think if when i go back and watch watch the films again uh, i'll find loads more of that and that, that's what i found particularly fascinating about this time it's just where i'm at right now you know i sort of got a lot of that from it um but I watch I mean, it again that, at a different time, it'll be different. That's the beauty of great films like these, is that you can relate to them. Everybody yeah. can relate to them in a subjective way. It reflects everybody and it reflects you can see yourself reflected back in it. It's a great film. Yeah. And I did I didn't expect to sort of feel that either. You know, I didn't expect that in a Lynch film to suddenly it just is something that suddenly dawned on me from where I'm at, from where I was. So I'll I'll be looking forward to going back and watching him again, you know, on a different day. You know, I could watch this another day, and it, I would, I, it wouldn't be that. And that's like you're saying there, John. It's the best. It's the. It's that's what makes this absolute brilliant art. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I also you have to think though. You know, when people out there say, "I like watching psychological thrillers," when you watch them, like, there's nothing psychological about it. That's quite. There's nothing on there. But there's, when you're watching this, jumps, this is like wow. It's just jump scares, aren't they? Yeah, that's they not seem to mistake jump scares with an actually terror, but it's not. It's just a jump fucking terror. Scare. Is like very similar <laughs> to what Bob just says. Having something you can relate to to the point that it could be either the person next door, it could be yourself. That's more terrifying than a, really? some silly jump scare. It's when you can relate and you know that it's real life and shit like that does happen and people do go into such a frenzy or take and, themselves out of that uh, that situation by, you know, um, either becoming something else. I, my cousin, very, very similar in the state, he was locked up for a long time because he didn't even know who he was or whatever. And you, there's a very thin line. I like what John brought up in June is where he puts his hand in the box in June and it was to determine, are you an animal? And you know what I mean? Can you control mm. yourself? 
And that is also reflected in this. It's about being human and controlling yourself. And this is a man who couldn't mm. control himself. So that's what I got from it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, yeah, it was just cool. It was just a fucking good film, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this film. I've been I've enjoyed watching every Lynch film so far, apart from Indian Empire, which I found a little bit of a chore. But we're still exploring that now. I'll be exploring that for a while, I'm imagining. Uh, but it, this is uh, all the good things we like in a movie. The time period it was made in, the music that was there just spoke to me, spoke to my 90s. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that hit us all. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it totally did. Uh, Patricia Arquette was amazing. I've never really seen her in anything before. No, no. And I thought same. she was amazing. It was a terrible performance, considering the stuff she had to do. Bill Pullman and uh, Balthazar Getty as well. Uh, and yeah. all the other cameos of all the other players, uh, they're just... Everyone's yeah, brilliant. He knows Henry make, Rollins. He knows Henry how to get the most out of people. Henry yeah. Rollins yeah. did a little laugh acting. It was great. He, he, he doesn't yeah. pick people because of how cheap they are. He picks people because he's David Lynch. He wants to pick the right mm. person. So having like this prior at that certain point, he thought, oh, I'm going to use that person for that. Yeah. I'm going to use yeah. that person Yeah, I mean, for that's that. great. Yeah, cool, man. he just it meets cool. these people and he gets an idea. He just, he just like you sit. You can imagine him sitting there and talking to somebody. And he's getting the the, the, the Lynch fingers. Yeah, when his he fingers start, start starts going. to, uh, and he's like, and you get an idea and you kind of go with it. And <laughs> it's um, and that's exactly what it is. It's it's a innate in um, uh, he he has a his sensitivity to what the potential of something could be, and yeah. he and he's good at writing it down. Most definitely. A raise ahead next time. Fuck we've got a raise ahead. The last film. Hopefully, not last I'm, he ever does. I'm hoping he comes back with another film. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I watched it two days ago because I, I watched it two days ago. I forgot it was last time we were doing. So I watched the raise ahead. And I don't regret it. It was great. Oh, you going to watch it again? It's my first experience with it, isn't it? Sure, I will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you still got the notes from the one we did a bit. I, I, I can't watch a film really quickly after I've just watched it. It feels. No, no. It's my, it's my I'm it. popping my eraser head cherry. I've got it. Oh, on yeah, a, you've never seen it before. I've got it on a, a 4K fucking disc reissue that's just come out not so long ago. I would, so. I would, love, I would love for you to record yourself watching it. I was no, just going to no say, commentary. you know what would be lovely? No commentary, you, no nothing, just to see the, the look on your face. What yeah. the fuck? That's the moment where on? if there was like a, if we lived near each other and there was an art cinema showing it, I'd love it to go just to watch you. I'd just sit there mostly just looking at you at scenes like that, watching you to how you react. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. You're, you're, you're only two hours away, Cliff. Uh, yeah, let's not Let's open a cinema. <laughs> let's, let's, let's buy a cinema just for that. So you thank you, everyone listening. And this will be the podcast where you're listening to now and on, on YouTube as well. Just give me time putting it together. <laughs> and the next time we come back, months. we'll... Yeah, sorry about that. But next time it comes right. together, it'll be a razor head. So thank you very much. Thank you. Bob, Lynched. thank you, John. And the thing about Cobra Kai is that... Um... Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> I shit on your Cobra Kai. Things the man shames his hands me, babe. A blonde beneath the young, the young, the young. No return. No return. Oh.
Yeah.